Hello and welcome to the G3 Podcast with hosts Gabby and Gavin. Let's get started. So what are we talking about? So welcome back. Uh, if you listen to our episode zero, you're in for a treat with our episode one. Um, here we are, talking about some games. Talking about David Cage. This man. This this man's. He's uh, he's written written some interesting games, the, such as uh, Heavy Rain. Most notably, Beyond Heavy Two Rain. Souls. The Sean game. If any of you have ever played that game, you Sean! Know, you know that glitch. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite, in particular. It's def- definitely... Like a top, a top meme. <laughs> definitely lots lots of memes going on there um but the particular game we're talking about is his newest game that came out on may 25th it's called detroit become human um we first saw it a long time ago actually i think we saw it at 2014 or 13 or no 2012 Mm -hmm. i think they showcased the car short yep which um if you were watching it in e3 they showed that short of what the power of a ps3 could do and then they actually turned that into a game, which then they showcased it in 2015 with the car trailer. And then 2016, I believe they did another one. And then last year's was the uh, Connor trailer with him with the uh, beginning little sequence on the roof. Yeah. And finally they decided, hey, let's actually release this to the public and make money. Well, that game took four and a half years to make. MoCap took a year and a half just in general just to film. Hey, I mean... Lots of things take lots of time. Like, I know. And the people don't the greatest, understand that the about The Greatest Showman games. took seven years. Hugh Jackman spent seven years writing and, and figuring out that movie. Good movie. Have um, not seen it. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about that. It's really good. So, obvious spoiler warning. First obvious off, spoiler warning um, for the do... entire game. We will be discussing most plot points and just about all of the endings. Yeah, and that we can think of. Don't listen to this if you don't want to be spoiled yeah big like spoil very large like 20 second spoiler warning right here yeah spoilers will come because soon i was very happy not to be spoiled by this game when i played it because um i used to twitch stream and i have somebody that i watch that twitch streams a lot and i didn't watch the playthrough a ton because i wanted it to be completely fresh and so if you've already played the game then go ahead and listen. If you just want to know what happens in the game and you want opinions about it, then go ahead and listen to Or you just want to get fucking spoiled, get fucking spoiled. Or you could always go out, buy the game for PS4 exclusively, uh, play it for about eight hours, and then come back and listen. Yeah, it's only an eight-hour game, which is fantastic for somebody like me who doesn't have a lot of time for games yeah. anymore. But Do- anyway, doesn't have a lot of time for games. Starts a games podcast. Okay, well the podcast, I, I get that. <laughs> All right, let's just get into Anyways, it. Anyways, so let's talk about a quick rundown of the storyline. So, what is Detroit Become Human? So, Detroit is a decision-based narrative story. If you've played games like Heavy Rain or Beyond Two Souls, which I'm sure a lot of people who are playing this game have already done it. Or it's kind of like, um, if you played Telltale. Like, Telltale. Yeah, like, like Wolf, Wolf Among Us, Us the Batman one. They have a lot of Borderlands them. was garbage, don't play that one. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> anyway, or the Walking Dead one is by far, like, second best one, Wolf Among Us. Still waiting for that number two. I, but... I did like Wolf Among Us, it was yes. fun. So it's, basically the story tailors to how your, story, your decisions are, and it 
it's also very cinematically pleasing mm-hmm. because it's a really pretty game. Like, yeah. I remember seeing the trailers when it came out and being like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. you go, Quantum Dream, which is the company Quantic Dream. that, Quantic Dream, whatever, that produced the game and they worked very hard for it. And I, I do appreciate their graphics. Yeah. So, it's basically a dystopian world, basically, where it's set in Detroit, where they kind of set it there because they made motor vehicles. So if you don't know a lot about the city of Detroit, which I've been there before, and it's a very interesting city. (laughs) Interesting, to say the least. Yes. And um, they built cars, and they're a big automotive city, so they placed it there because this is where Cyberlife, the company, the game is kind of revolving around, made their androids. And this is the hub of where androids come from, but they are obviously all over the world, besides Canada, but we'll get into that later. So, you know, that's kind of where the story takes place. And that kind of... It's like in a technological advanced world, but there are parts that are very dystopian and broken down and... The whole game is essentially, like, kind of dystopian, like, as a theme. Um, It's... So it's a um, near future kind of like more slightly technologically advanced kind of feel where it's um, it's a very more, near it's more ground, grounded in reality. It's uh, set in the year twenty thirty eight, so only 20, twenty years, years from away. now. Um, and they, I mean, they don't have like hover cars and like personal like it's technology that's within hoverboards and stuff. It's which, yeah, I mean, hoverboards like, do exist, but... I mean, we have Sophia the robot. Yeah, which we'll probably relate back to her, because she, <laughs> she honestly scares the bejesus out of me. Yeah, so she's essentially the closest thing to what uh, these David Cage bots... Yeah. Or something like androids. Siri or something like that, too. It's it's artificial intelligence, which this part this story really dictates where we've always heard of stuff where, oh, the robots take over and they're going to kill us all. This mm-hmm. is more about okay, the robots do have artificial intelligence, but do they have a soul? Do they? Can they love? Can they feel? Yeah. So that's so basically what the whole story is. That's what gives it a, a really interesting take. And that's like what's a rich so story. interesting about this, this storyline is that it's not like, oh, all the humans are going to die. Like, that's not... It's not like like Overwatch. Overwatch has a um, storyline with the Omnics, the Omnic Crisis, where it's like, oh, all these robots, they like just started killing people. Yeah. <laughs> And there's no... There's no reason. There's, there's no, no backing behind it. Yeah, there's no, like, effort to understand what's yeah. going on with, with the Omnic Crisis. It's just like, oh, a world, like, terror attack. And Whereas, it, it actually, like, breaks you down to the first Deviant, which is honestly... Like, that's the first story, which is Connor. That is the first documented Deviant. Which, if you did see E3 um, last year, which E3 just ended today, um, you did see the Connor negotiation scene, which is the first opening act of the game. Mm-hmm. So the game opens in an elevator. Yeah, opens in an elevator. Um, we have Connor's flipping a coin around, and he... this is a part where David Cage really sets the sets the mood for you. Um, Connor's doing some coin tricks with his hands and stuff, and he catches the coin in between his fingers, and the camera zooms right in on the coin on the word liberty. So you already know that that's going to be a huge, like, point at the game of freedom and personal liberties i don't know how he saw that like i didn't see that at all until he brought it up and i was like what the fuck and then i looked back and i was like oh okay that makes sense Mm -hmm. and there's just like 
No, this game is huge on sim- uh, like symbolism, symbolism and, and tiny like, details and stuff like that. Which it's everywhere. It's ridiculous. We've I've played through it probably like well twice. Once with once by myself, once with you, and then we kind of got like almost like halfway through, and then we accidentally fucked some shit up, so we had to restart. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Connor is a cyber life. Um, Android. Android. He is the most top of the line model to date. RK eight hundred. RK eight hundred. And he basically is a detective, and he is sent to negotiate down a um, deviant, which a deviant is an android that goes through an emotional shock and then goes through symptoms of PTSD and becomes violent sometimes, or they can just deviate from their regular programming. They essentially, yeah, they essentially just uh, deviate from their programming and from their intentions um, yeah. when in creation and become autonomous yeah so like if you have a a maid bot and suddenly they just like break free from their chains and go to i don't know a strip club or something yeah, <laughs> that's, that's deviant <laughs> yeah um but we op- uh, we open up on that scene which really dives you into the game of connor's part which is investigating a crime scene figuring out piecing the stuff together which i really do enjoy that because it reminds me of all the detective games i've ever played and it was really fun to open up on that david cage seems to really like detectives in heavy rain you play as one yeah there's a bunch in i think in um i mean i think that's interesting you play as two separate detectives i think isn't that i've never played it um and then you play as connor in detroit who's working with the detroit police department investigating these cases yeah I just think that's something that resonates with people because it's a very slim job position, I guess, if you want to put it that way. So it's something that keeps you, like, interested in throughout the whole game. It's something that keeps also the game moving, too, because you have to look and find clues and mm-hmm. think about it. And I think that's also the other thing with David Cage games. You have to think about stuff. So when you're playing a detective, you're essentially writing, figuring out the story for yourself, which is also what you have to do in a David Cage game. Yeah. But, um, so you start with the uh, deviant on the roof, and this really sets the tone of what your choices really do. So, once you find all the clues, which is, like, you look in the room, and you find, like, the, the deviant's name, his name is Daniel, and then you look through a bunch of other clues, like, the father was shot, but he, he was shot because, obviously, the Daniel went deviant, and then he noticed that he was buying, or that the father was buying a new android, so that so possibly... it gives you the whole... Uh, storyline behind yeah. this deviant um, by behind this android daniel where he was scared for his safety essentially mm-hmm. he was scared that he was being replaced yeah and he that... felt like a slave all the time and he was like well why don't i get anything out of it i feel mm-hmm. like he was more like well why would you just replace me it, probably because it wasn't fair to him because he seemed like a lower class model mm-hmm. so maybe he was just getting replaced because there's something better out there but anyway you find all the clues and stuff like that, which is basically pretty much all of Connor's, like, areas in the beginning is finding clues and setting that up. You get out on the roof, and, like, I'm basically replaying the E3 trailer, <laughs> but, um, basically your your conversational, like, technique or your actual actions in QTEs, for example. QTEs are a huge part, which, if nobody knows what QTE stands for, it's, um, oh, oh god, I just totally forgot. Quick time events or yeah quick time events thank you so basically it's like if someone's coming at you and you have to press square real quick and then you have to do them in correct yeah, order you have like and a, if you fail like a two it, second timer to, yeah to, it's like three yeah. seconds it's really frustrating sometimes some of them are more but difficult you negotiate the deviant um so it could go a couple ways you could shoot him yourself and you, mind you he's standing on the, the edge ledge, yes, of the, the roof of this um apartment building holding 
a little girl, she's like probably like six or seven, yeah. named Emma, uh-huh. um, as a hostage, and he has a gun pointed at her head. Yes. And he's threatening to jump. Yeah, he's threatening to jump with her, and there's like multiple outcomes you could do. Like a helicopter comes, you can tell it to go away or stay, and if it, if it stays, it pisses him off. If you send it away, he like calms down. Ultimately, so your goal yeah. here is to save, save the, the girl. Ho- yeah, save the hostage. Yeah, Connor is programmed to save the hostage. That's all he is meant to do. He is not there to, like, save Daniel. He's not there to kill Daniel. He's not there to do anything other than make sure that Emma is safe. So there are a couple different paths you can take here where you can save Emma um, and Daniel gets shot by the, what, SWAT, the, snipers. the SWAT team or something. Yeah. Which um, is the very good ending. That is that's the best, the best way to go about it. The worst outcome is the deviant. I think does the deviant shoot the little girl? I think. Or I does think he, he just, jump? just jumps. Yeah, he just, you just he falls backwards. Yeah, because there's a part where you can, as Connor, you can run towards and grab Emma, but you also die. So that's like the mm-hmm. medium one. Yeah. Or you can also shoot the deviant. I've seen that one before where Connor shoots him, which you can pull the because there's a part in the apartment where you could grab the gun from um, a cop or something that had passed away, and you can. Use it to shoot the deviant, which is like an eh ending. But the best ending is getting the snipers to shoot him. And this all all the endings dictate by how you act and what you respond to him talking to you. And how much information you collect. If you don't collect enough information, you basically fail. So that's kind of how you play Connor. And then after Connor, we are introduced to Kara. We meet Kara, who starts out in... A super store. A cyber life store. Yeah. Where they're selling androids to yes. Androids are selling androids, which is another funny, like, yeah, note. Like, there's android sales associates that are selling androids, and that just always makes me die. And that's also a, so a huge point of the game, is that uh, androids are taking all the human jobs, and people are upset about it that, like, androids are stealing their jobs, and the unemployment rate is... At 28% below. Outrageously high. Yeah. So, um, that's a very large theme throughout the game is this racism against androids. Yes. Um, and as well as... The slavery against them. Yeah, they're essentially enslaved. Um, people are discriminating against them because they're like, oh, they're not human, they're just Mm -hmm. robots. Well... And that's the whole premise. Do they have a soul? Do they think? Do they feel? Which How do then they feel gets into the deviants, who you find out can, like, do have a sense of, of emotions yeah. as far as they're well, aware. Which also... It could really depend on how you It's play. personal opinion, really, because whether or could, not you think... You could think they're faking. Yeah, you could think, like, they're reprogramming themselves, a line imitating from emotions. Hank, where he says, you don't feel emotions, you just fake them. Mm-hmm. Which, if you play... De- or if you play Machine Connor, which basically you follow every objective... You piss off your partner, which we'll get into Hank later. Mm. But you follow it, and he's like, you fake emotions, which some people do. I fake emotions, so I get that. Or you really feel, and then you feel for these characters. But um, Kara is a um, AX400 android. She takes care of the housework, washing, She's cleaning. She's basically a housewife. She's basically a housewife maid type of role. Yeah. And we open up of her in a cyber life market where she is being... Picked up by her... From repairs from, by the guy who owns her, by, Todd. Yeah, his name is Todd. Um, and then basically that's the opening cinematic where he picks her up and takes her. And he registers her name. And there's a little anecdote in there that says... Um, 
the repairman says, wow, it was really beat up, you know, it took a while to fix it, and then he's like, what happened to it? And then Todd, her owner, who, you look upon him, he's pretty grody looking, not the best human looking being, like, he's just kind of sweaty. Which actually, and... I mean, David Cage seems to be very, have very specific, uh, characters for specific roles like um every like larger like longer like greasy looking like guy (laughs) is either like doing drugs or like just super just not not good so yes so this is todd and he um says that she's hit by a car so obviously we as the audience are kind of like eh kind of skeptical about that but then the whole thing opens up to that so basically Kara is a housewife android that lives with todd and his daughter and alice alice which so as Kara, you um pick up around the house clean the place um todd tells you that your job is also to take care of alice do her like help her with her homework feed her make sure she's, that she's about bathed. a nine-year-old child i would say 10 yeah, year old something like that um she's Always carrying around a fox doll. She kind of, like, runs around. She plays with the little robot that you turn on, which, during the part of the first scene that you actually get to play as Kara... Oh, yeah, you turn on the, you, the Roomba. The Roomba, basically. and <laughs> The vacuum. Alice, like, chases it around, and it's really it's funny. It's really fun. But basically the first episode... Or, not episode, but chapter of Kara that you actually get to go into the roots of it, you're seeing how what Kara does and the really the attitude of Todd. Because you're not... You don't know a whole ton about him, and there's a part where um, if you go and uh, decide to do the laundry, you find this drug called red, red ice. Red ice, which has the same chemical formula as cocaine. But it's smoked like crack. Yeah, so that's interesting. Sm- crack is like a very addictive drug, and we're assuming that this is just a new super drug that was made in this it's new world. It's just futuristic crack. Yeah, and Todd gets pissed at you, naturally, that you find it, and he like Even though he's keeping it out. in the laundry detergent when yeah. you're trying to do the laundry, like, what did he expect? Yeah. What did he expect? Honestly, though, if I was Todd in that situation, I'd be like, what the fuck's the Android gonna do? Like, call the cops, it's mine. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And that's, like, the mindset of, like, people that, like, think the Androids don't feel. But... You kind of go through all that and stuff like that, and then um, you make dinner for Alice and Todd after you finish cleaning. Some spaghetti. Some spaghetti. And um, you kind of realize what, like, kind of household you're living in. Um, Sorry, our phone went off. There's an Amber Alert. alert. (laughs) Not good. Six-year-old girl. Yeah. um, I apologize if you heard all that vibrating. I'm putting my phone on the floor. Um, But... Yeah, you make dinner for them, and Todd, like, Alice sits down and Todd, and you kind of... And Todd starts... Yelling, just in general. He's getting all grumbly yeah, and he's angry. Yeah, like, he's like, androids like, took my job, and blah, 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 how do you expect me to get a job? And then he turns his attention towards Alice and saying, isn't this the life you never imagined? And he just starts fucking yelling at her and smacking her and shit and crying. And he so starts, basically... Yeah, he's, he slaps her, and she starts crying. She runs upstairs, and he gets mad, and he's like, yeah. get the fuck back here. Well, no, 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 that's the next chapter. Oh, is it? Yeah, no, that chapter ends like that. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, Um, so that chapter ends kind of, like, on that note where they're getting, like, ready for dinner. Right. Remember, he, like, leans down. He actually does lean down and apologize to her. shakes her a bit and, like, yells in her face. And And he's like, I'm sorry, I love you, and blah, blah, blah. So it does show a side of unstable Todd. Like, he does actually have feelings for his daughter, but he... Also, is a very bad person. In well, that he's sense. always on drugs. So yeah, so it's very unstable. It's... And then you find like a, a gun, 
in your uh, in Todd's in room. Todd's room. You find like behavioral. There's medicine. a lot of stuff that you can find. Yes, the house. there's a lot so, of stuff. We're not going to go into exact very, details because it's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot that you can investigate and find, yeah. and a lot of clues and stuff like that. Same thing with like Alice. You can search her room. You find some clues about like her life and stuff like that. Mm. So there's a lot of like little things. But if we did a whole entire podcast on the whole game, it'd be an eight hour podcast. <laughs> so um, that's Cara. We would just stream it at that point. Um, yes, and, and then Cara third, is personally third... my favorite character. That Connor's the best boy. You... Connor is Gavin's favorite character, but Carr is mine. Good boy, best boy. <laughs> um, so the third character, third and final character you get to play as is Marcus, who is owned by Carl, this elderly gentleman. He's very sweet. What a honestly, what a sweetie. Um, he's an he's, artist. Yeah, he uh, is a painter, um, and he has paintings all over his house. He's very wealthy, um, and he treats Marcus very well. And so you start off and you pick up paint for Carl and you are, you just are supposed to take it back to him. Um, you pick up his order and bring it back, except you can get stopped by a crowd of anti-android, uh, protesters and they see you and they start yelling in your face and being rude when you're just walking by and it, it gets, it accelerates it um yeah like uh, marcus is programmed obviously just to go get the paint so he's not going to do anything to these protesters plus i don't think marcus would do that essentially right at this point of time um oh also for the people that want to know um connor is played by brian deckhart who is an actor cara is played by uh valerie curry marcus is played by jesse williams who is most known for in gray's anatomy so if you kind of can picture these people, if you don't like play these types of games, but you want to hear about them, that's what they look like. But um, yeah, uh, so so these protesters, yeah. um, they uh, get to the point where they actually beat you up just for being an android because they're pissed about their jobs and because stuff like that. I mean, it's like all that stuff, just natural stuff. Like I'm sure, like in the future with us, like machines are gonna like machines already took over a lot of good part of our jobs. Right, but there's also this one point where there's an interview with the creator of androids. Yeah, Kamsky. Um, yeah, um... Oh, Elijah. Elijah Kamsky, that's his first name. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he says, like, nobody, nobody's, like, upset about the steam engine anymore, or about electricity. Like, people, when the steam engine came out, they were like, oh, it's taken our jobs, you know, this technology is, is ruining, um, the workforce. And... That's what people are saying nowadays about what, these the androids, steam engine, but nobody like would imagine living without electricity anymore. That kind of stuff. So it brings about this interesting point where the world is always progressing and constantly getting more advanced, and there, mm-hmm. you can't really stop progress. Or if you do, then it's just you're on the wrong side of history. Yeah, exactly. Even though history tends to repeat itself, and progress isn't always naturally good progress but that's what some of the people in there think but my opinion i'd I'd be fine with androids (laughs) as long as they didn't take my job which i'm sure they would take my job (laughs) well it it just revolutionizes the workforce because now that there are androids taking like menial labor tasks um like the minimum wage jobs and stuff uh you can you would just have to find a better job prepare yourself for that and get into work where either an android wouldn't be able to do it or yeah. get into work where you are working in the Android field, I yeah. guess. Um, Lots of the, the the areas that we see Androids are is um, construction workers, um, 
laborers, stuff like that. Um, retail, retail, which like, retail yeah. is actually the field I work in. I manage a store. So that's where I'm like, they would definitely straight up take my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So stuff like that. Um, a lot of things like the music. I saw like healing, hearing real human music. Yeah, there was a musician that you can Which see is part in of Marcus's Carl's, chapter. Or Mar- Marcus's story. Um, and it's uh, a guy playing guitar in the uh, center of like the park area. And um, he has a sign out on cardboard with like Sharpie marker on it. It says like $5 to hear real human music. Um, so it brings about this part where it's interesting to see how an art form, even like music, can be your uh the jobs in there and like creating like emotional like kind of like sensory feelings through music can be stripped away from humanity and given to i mean we already have that with dubstep so yeah Yeah, but that's not i know it's not i was gonna say it's not music it is music well no it yeah but it's not robots when you make music like that because obviously we'll talk about that too because there's a certain part where Robot. Well, there's two parts actually. If you want to talk, like Marcus with the piano, and then there's a later part, which um, we'll talk about our experiences through the games stuff like that. But Marcus lives with Carl, who is an artist. He paints, and basically we open up on this whole seemingly good. He, he tends to um, Carl's like kind of like a hipster art style. Yeah, a bit. Um, but his sort of like artistic influence is very human. Like he paints a lot of like human forms. Yeah, um, in a abstract way. Yeah, more abstract, but, like, it's interesting to see that kind of symbolism where he, like, appreciates humanity, especially through his art, and he also appreciates Marcus, who arguably isn't human. Yes. Um, he very much is a father figure to Marcus in a way. Um, which is so great. Which is I, very I nice. Like, <laughs> Carl is very sick, as we can tell. We open up on him. He can barely walk. He like he can't, can't walk, walk. Actually, his he, legs don't yeah, work. Yeah, he he's just in a drags wheelchair. himself, uh, which is um, a futuristic wheelchair, which is really it's cool. a really cool wheelchair. Yes, uh, but he has to take like injections yeah. every morning. Basically, Marcus is his caretaker, like a hospice kind of situation. Yeah. A little um, bit, it feels like. But Carl still paints. He still talks and stuff like that. But we open up on them. And they, there's a little bit of just, like, filler there's of some, getting yeah, breakfast. And then they go in the back and room stuff. and paint. And um, Carl paints something. And then he tells Marcus, like, hey, go ahead, paint something. And mm-hmm. then uh, you're you're given an option to paint three things. The painting that Carl is currently painting, a statue, or the desk. Which are all three things that you can see, see right in front, in front of, of you. you. So you paint one of these things. And Carl's like, well, I mean, that's a great copy, but that's not what art is yeah. you, you know you art don't... is improving on the world and taking your own interpretation of it and putting it onto a canvas so essentially next he asks you i mean he you paint something in like five seconds yeah it's a <laughs> but little it's it's essentially sped up um and so he says grab another canvas and you do and then he asks you to close your eyes and paint about something that you feel yeah. Um, something so you can't this, see, something you can't, don't understand yourself, or something like that. This is your first um, actual exposure to androids and feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, where Marcus, you are given like three different uh, prompts of ideas to choose from, and yeah. humanity, um, uh, identity, and androids. And then you can select like a certain feeling to associate with that. Yeah. Um, and it comes out with. 
several vastly Many different ones. There are vastly like, different paintings that you can do. The first one I did was humans, and then I did, um, I think it was like, like compassion or something. No, I think it was like I think it might have been compassion because I remember them like holding like an android hand and a human hand up and down. And it was a very blue kind of green painting because I wanted to know like what the feelings were mm-hmm. for that because I, I didn't really care about Marcus's identity at first because I was just like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I just want to see what this would do. So you, as Marcus, um, create something brand new. Like you are making art through feeling and it's uh, begs the question of can androids feel? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get into the part where Leo comes in Leo is Leo's Carl's son, who barges in, and he's basically, you look at him, and you're like, that's a drug addict right yeah. there. He's sweating, he's talking fast, and he's asking for money he's from his jittery. father. And so... And he, his dad's like, oh, well, what happened to the money I got you, or gave you last week, or whatever? Just, and he's just like, recently. Yeah, and, and he's like, oh, it's gone. And he's like, you know, it just goes. <laughs> but obviously, we kind of can see that so he's a drug addict. Carl declines to give him more money because uh, leo gets mad and starts taking his anger out on marcus and carl carl instructs you don't do anything don't fight back just leave it alone yeah so this is where you get uh to the part where leo starts shoving you around no that's a different chapter you're jumping really far so this chapter just ends this is the beginning part where the chapter just ends was just Leo barging out because he's pissed and he's like, oh, you'd rather take care of this plastic thing than your own son. You never loved me and blah, blah, blah. And he walks out. That chapter comes like in three more chapters. <laughs> You're like just going through the timeline. You're not skipping it. So those are basically our introductions of the characters. So now that we like kind of gave you an introduction to everybody, um, we're not going to go like delve into these deep stories because honestly, it would be like an hour per character. Yeah. Trust me. We so we're talking this. about some themes of this game and you get a lot of, a lot of nodes of, uh, actual history, actual history in, um, slavery in, uh, slavery, I think civil is rights, the main like mm-hmm. note. Yeah. Um, this game deals with a lot of. Um, ideas such as like oh should androids have equal rights are they human are they people you know do they have souls do they feel um so a lot of there's a lot of people who are like no they're just machines there are also a lot of people who depending on your choices throughout the game um you have depending on you can affect your public opinion by how you play marcus's character and if the public is supportive of you, then you'll have a lot of people saying, oh, no, I I think that they're a new form of intelligent life and that yeah. we should treat them equally. Which Marcus' character ends up being sort of a uh, revolutionary leader, kind of like Hugo Chavez or something like that, but mm. not as... He actually has a lot of allusions to Jesus. Yeah, because... And, like, the Bible, kind of. There's a whole section of the story where it delves into this mystic being called RA9. Which, if you catch a lot of deviants in Car- or, uh, Connor's story, they cons- uh, consistently write this RA9, and they're, he is the one who will save us. He is the one who will free us. Mm-hmm. So, basically, the story is kind so, of leading you to believe that Marcus is RA9. It, yeah, the hints give you that Marcus is the messiah here to save the yeah. deviants from 
So we played Marcus two completely different ways. (laughs) There are two very different ways that you can play as Marcus. So I played Marcus pretty passively up until there's this point where you have to... You are confronted by soldiers. Soldiers. By the police force, essentially, by, like, SWAT team. You're you're basically doing a peaceful march, and you're collecting more deviants collecting. Like, they're things. You're recruiting, is the better word. More deviants, and you have some people behind you, North, Simon, and Josh, who are, like, your right-hand people. And my story is, um, I was met with the group of police officers, and they were like, hey, stop. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. They're like, stop or we'll shoot. And I said, all right, I'll leave, I'll leave, and we're good, I'll, I'll, I'll come back. And as your character turns around to leave, they say... On my mark, shoot. So basically what was going to happen was they were going to kill us dead in the street, even though we said we were going to leave. So I immediately got very angry and emotional, turned around, because you're given the choice to run or to fight. So I fought, and I killed all the soldiers. And my public opinion went straight down to... Everyone thought that you were now a terrorist group. So my whole storyline of Marcus ended up being... Fuck essentially it. a civil war. Essentially a civil war. Because I accidentally started that. And I like my storyline. I thought it was fine. Because that's what is essentially happening sometimes in our, our real world. Like, if we're talking like the Gaddafi and stuff like that. Even though it was like a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, it's the most recent one I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But um, certain things like that. So I got um, the fight. And... Uh, yeah, so we fought for our slavery, but uh, Gavin fought did for slavery. Fought yes. for our like our freedom is for what I meant to say. And freedom. But Gavin got a different way. So the way I played was um, same situation. We're peacefully uh, marching and protesting in the streets, and um, the soldiers confront me, and they say, "Stand down," or they say, "Disperse," or we will shoot you dead. Like you will be gone and <laughs> wiped off the earth. Um, so I say. No. And they're like, disperse or we will shoot. And I'm like, um, we're not going to go anywhere until you recognize us as people. People. As, as living intelligent human beings creatures. Or, well, species. Like, because they're saying, like, that they create a new species. Respect us because you did this. You made mm-hmm. us live. You gave us life. Um, so they started shooting at me, and you get the option to either run or uh, sacrifice yourself. Or fight them. Yeah. Um, I did not fight them. I also did not sacrifice myself. You ran. I oh, ran away. Bitch. Uh, so my public opinion shot up. And yeah, because everyone they... is like, oh, why would the soldiers do that? It's mm-hmm. like the Boston Massacre all Basically. over again, where the soldiers just like shoot, or like the Kent State shootings of 1970. Um, yeah, like why would they where do that? Where the National Guard shot on unarmed uh, protesters. Yeah. And so everyone's you're like, unarmed during this too. what the hell is this? Like, this shouldn't be happening. Um, and so the public was very supportive of it, and uh, that's how that went. Yeah, so, so the whole in the end of it, essentially, instead of fighting a civil war, it was a civil rights movement. Yeah, um, is how I kind of played it, uh, where we're all peacefully, where the androids are peacefully protesting um, to get their rights and recognized as and people. That's honestly the very good way to play it because if you play Kara, who we mentioned earlier. If you fuck up your public opinion, you will not 
get freedom. Yeah, <laughs> like, car is very hard to play if yeah. the public does not like Car is very hard to play because at the end of your little run of getting you and Alice to freedom, you end up at the border or on a boat. And if you're at the border, um, if you don't have a good public opinion, they kill you both. Or you can decide to sacrifice Kara or yourself. And I did that. Or a friend. And I cry every time I think about it because it was so upsetting. But... So yeah, public or public opinion really does matter, and that's honestly what I think in just real life. Same thing with like back in the 1800s when people actually saw what slavery did and stuff like that. Like people actually got the North at least was seeing that, and then they receded or, or the South receded. The to seceded or what receded succeeded seceded Sorry. from the Union from the Union, and it's basically kind of what. It's like a half side of, oh, I side with the androids, or oh, I don't side with the androids, depending how you feel if they have a soul. And personally, I don't know. Like, I don't well, think it's not that... so much about having a soul. It's more about just recognizing them as individuals what... and having emotions. Also, the point of the story too is what 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 makes you a living being. Mm-hmm. So that's where the emotions come in and stuff like that. But I mean, it's like certain things with snakes. Do snakes have emotions? I don't know. It's also interesting because you'll meet some androids um, along the way and uh, they'll be told, oh, just stand there and let me shoot you. And they will. They'll just follow their programming. But then there are also some other androids who fear for their lives and yeah. like people are like threatening them and they get scared and they don't they... know what to do and they act out and they deviate from their programming and actually kill people kill or people because they were threatened or... and they were yeah so what you would do when they you were, were experiencing violence yeah because that's the only thing they know like obviously if they're fighting coming at fighting you, for their own individual survival yeah if you're coming someone's coming at me with a bat you bet the fuck i'm gonna stab them mm-hmm. like <laughs> there's like it's that's where it dictates it where they're like oh you're a living being because you're protecting yourself or others such as car and alice or uh, connor with hank who is his partner but it just has a huge thing, huge underlying theme harkening back to like slavery in america yeah. which that's basically what it's based off of and a little bit of religion in some yeah. way too especially with the music like there's a part where marcus is talking in a church to his following and it's actual like church music like mm-hmm. quite of the same composing is yeah. very church-like yeah the music is very um religious and mm. just he's actually talking in a church <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of symbolism in this game, yeah. and it brings about a lot of feelings. Yeah, I mean, I just still... If you haven't played it, go and play it. Yeah. There's a, a specific tart that Gavin and I talk about a lot. Like, there's a... When you're playing as Marcus, if you get the uh, re- very like peaceful protest ending... There what are... happens is you build up a, um, like, you uh, garrison garrison yourselves behind this barricade in um, outside of one of the android internment camps. Which is basically um, or it's a basically concentration a death camp. camp, which is, like, the same issues yeah, that, they... which they relate to the Holocaust then in other genocide-like mm-hmm. areas. There's a lot of history. different pieces and parts from actual history that they mash together into this emotional retelling. Um, so... Marcus and his following set up this barricade where they're where at least how I played it was you're peacefully standing there saying hey yeah we're I'm gonna sh- stand here until you guys release um, the androids in the camp to us because 
they have no reason to be, be there. there. They're intelligent creatures. They deserve yeah. a chance at life. And so um, you're met with a police force, riot, riot control, and um, they break into... You're told, hey, either like go away and we'll save like you they won't... actually give marcus a deal they said they'll keep him alive if mm-hmm. um he like surrenders me on the other hand i was shooting everybody i had a full out civil war so my yeah. story doesn't really so help you meet with one of the uh head of police chiefs or oh, whatever the FBI. i think he's with the, the FBI. fbi um and he offers uh if you surrender uh you'll all your lives will be spared well, I did not do that. Mm. I did not surrender. I said, no, you're going to release... The people. The people to us. The androids to us. Um, and we're gonna... It was very ju- much We're gonna a, just stand here until you do. We're like, not gonna fight. We're not gonna do anything. And Les Miserables, it's very much a, do you hear the people sing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because... So, you get that. to the point where the soldiers break in to your barricade, and... They've been shooting at you, so you're doing these QTs to try and save your people, and they corner you. You and uh, a group of your like friends. 15 people. Yeah. Um, and you have some options here, and one of the best things I think I have seen from this game was the option to sing. So Marcus starts singing a traditional like African-American spiritual like slavery song type of thing, um, where in a lot of... Um, people in servitude a lot of like slaves uh they actually would come up with these songs and pass them down as like oral traditions and it had the the tonality of it and like the timbre in in these songs it was really it's a very emotional moment because you're just standing there it's dead quiet after they killed all these people Mm -hmm. and you're just singing for your and they're you're, they have guns pointed at you these yeah. huge military grade rifles and, and they're, they're like gonna execute you but you just like the other option is to um, kiss another android which which it's is these are essentially just um, shows option, of emotion, emotion and a living being yeah um, that you can feel that you can love that you can that you deserve a chance at life yeah and that these humans were not giving it to you um, so. If you choose to show emotion, um... You can fight. You can do that. You can. There's, like, an option to just, like, stand down or something like that. And there's an option to fight, which would also, like, make another Civil War issue mm-hmm. happen. Um, if you show emotion, the President of the United States, uh, President Warren, she... Elizabeth tells the guards, Warren. It's not Elizabeth Warren. It's... I know. Christina Warren or something. Fun fact about this character. She looks exactly like Elizabeth Warren She looks Warren almost exactly like Hillary, Hillary Clinton. Clinton yeah. <laughs> it's really um, funny. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Uh, so, that's, that's the like ending the whole... of essentially yeah. Marx's story where he stands he stands up and says, hey, if we're going to die, like... Let's die good. We're going to fight as best as we can to promote the freedom of androids and we if yeah. we can't get it then the, f- the future generations they'll keep they'll the keep fight uprising. going and eventually we'll get what we want yeah so that's basically what the whole underlying story is about which it really relates to some of the issues that we're living in the world now especially with black lives matter movements and mm-hmm. all of stuff like that all lives matter even like with the the gun control and everything and just how basic protest and your your 
or amendment to freedom of speech and freedom to assembly live. Assembly and stuff. Assembly and everything. So it really was nice seeing that because a lot of people who really don't experience that on first hand, people that don't have something to protest for, they can see what it's actually like to live like that as a minority, mm-hmm. which is something very interesting. And most, not going to say all, but most people who do play this game can understand like, oh, these androids shouldn't be murdered and killed. Like, there's no reason for it. Like, they should have a chance at life. And so, I know a lot of people won't translate that into, oh, I shouldn't hate black people. Yeah. But or I shouldn't it, hate... It really things. gives you that perspective of... What the, it's like, like. how minorities can be treated. It also shows you the aggression from people who are actually like that. Like, if we tie into the lady who was calling about the barbecue happening. Oh, yeah, the barbecue. Yeah, you can really see the aggression from, like, especially when you're met with the people that are like, oh, the screw androids are taking my jobs and blah, blah, blah. You're met with mm-hmm. that physical altercation where you're like, I'm really uncomfortable. Why is this happening? Yeah. I'm just doing, I'm just being me. That's all you're doing. And mm-hmm. then people are freaking treating you like shit. So it so, shows you that firsthand because a lot of people, like, don't experience that type of mm-hmm. hate. A lot of people are very sheltered and very in a bubble. Yeah. Um they're like in their echo chambers is what <laughs> yeah. yeah but the game ultimately does have a lot of good a lot of good points things. a lot of good symbolism yeah. a lot of a, a fairly nice message if you get a good ending <laughs> yeah if you get a good ending i got a terrible ending except for connor who was buddy buddy with his uh, cop and they hugged mm-hmm. um what happened to marcus did he die i don't know i don't remember now did you kill the soldiers oh no i won but they just hated me yeah Kara definitely died, and I, like I said, I, I cry every time I think about it. But, like, also, like, if we think about the future not too far off, like, Sophia the robot is, like, one of my top ten fears, because I've seen her <laughs> a lot, and she's very scary to me. I just, like, artificial intelligence to a point kind of, like, freaks me out, because, mm. like, it's just weird, different. So, this is happening in 2038, so it's really not that far off, and Sophia could definitely take some wings and uh, be in our households in like 20 years. So the messages from this game tell us if Sophia and her following stand up <laughs> and say we want equal rights. Just give it to them. Or we will fight for them. We should probably listen. Just take listen. a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then David Cage is also like there's a lot of speculation behind him with his misogynist views <laughs> and uh, he does kind of hate has, on the, there, the females some sometimes in interesting, games. Interesting, interesting. But honestly, that's our history. If you think about it, like, everything about us, like, we're just downgraded, we get paid less, we get beat. So, like, he's showing actual reality, but people probably just want to see the better side of it, which probably still is kind of far away for, like, women's equal rights and equal pay and not being scared of men. Yeah. So... <laughs> But he definitely yeah. he definitely heard on the ladies in uh, Beyond Two Souls. Uh, I almost said Ellie from Last of Us. What's her damn name? Jody. Jody, who was played by Ellen Page. Jody and Green Goblin. Green Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. This game had a large impact on us. <laughs> yeah, it actually like got us to like start about like we could talk way more about it mm-hmm. and, but. We just, like, wanted to give our two cents on what we really felt about it, because... Our two souls. Our two souls, no! <laughs> Beyond two souls. Beyond two souls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean... Any final thoughts? 
I think people should play the game, but it, it really is a a niche for a storytelling narrative because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't like that because it's not actiony. It's not a Call of Duty. It's. I think it's fairly actiony with the QTEs yeah. being so stressful. Yeah, but people like I think time reactions like are hard for them to like guitar like it's kind of like a a story guitar hero you just make sure you hit the right notes so like beat sabers beat sabers <laughs> basically yeah this is the serious podcast about slavery and all that yeah for the first one delving but... into some very interesting symbolism in this yeah game. i mean there's still like so much where i'm just like oh my god like the stupid fish i think about the fish sometimes like i, I always tell myself the game, you have the option to either save a fish or leave it to like die of oxygen deprivation by not being in water and yeah and like every time i'm like oh i'm gonna do an asshole run i like look at that fish and i'm like fuck so i love fish so i want the fish to be okay the fish did nothing wrong okay but so did most of the most of the androids didn't do anything wrong they were just acting well, out in self-defense yeah like every deviant that connor hunts down they're like hey what this is what's happening i was acting in self-defense hell was his name i don't know yeah i get that ralph point, was acting in self-defense self-defense car was acting in self-defense marcus was acting in self-defense yeah um but self-defense the only deviant in the game i think is if you make connor deviant yeah, he's not he's acting, acting in self-defense self he's just kind of being a deviant but self-defense too like you could take it to that point where where does self-defense end and where does murder begin Right, but that's also you would also have to um, discuss the point of if an android is killed, is it murder or destruction it, of property? Destruction of property, yeah. Well, that dictates then back to where if they are property or are they property beings. or are they because human. the one story with him in the house where he stabbed the guy because he was defending himself, he stabbed him like thirty-two times. Okay, so but that, that was a little excessive. That android also had burn marks all over its arm for yeah. sixteen months of being burned by cigarettes, which is abuse. He had. Um, holes in his face from something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was marked up, and then he had a huge, like, tear in his arm from a baseball bat. Yeah. So he I'm probably would have died, or about... he probably would have been destroyed yeah. um, if he didn't act. Self defense doesn't always have to end in killing, is what I meant. What I mean is, like, if there's an intruder in my house and I point my gun at them and make them get on the floor, then I wait. That's also, like, self-defense. I'm defending myself from possible outcomes. Also, I wouldn't want to take a human life because... But given if it was an abusive situation where I was abused if for you're months in a and situation months and months, where... then yeah, fuck them. I wanted them dead. Yeah. I get that point. If you're in a situation where someone is beating you with a baseball bat relentlessly, Yeah, yeah then the kind do? of make it stop is to kill them. Yeah, so... I mean, I get that, but it's just Especially like, because you're unarmed, and all you're doing is trying to follow your programming. Yeah. You're just trying to do your job. And someone I'm thinking comes more human-like. <laughs> yeah. Well. Because I am a human. I swear. We hope. Could've took out my LED, you know. <laughs> I have a bunch of quarters over there. Just, just what it sounds like when it falls in a sink. Because it's always a sink. It's always a sink. <laughs> it's always a sink they rip it out at. Which is really Except weird. it's not always a sink. Marcus yeah. didn't rip his out of the sink. He was in the junkyard. But yeah, so... Yeah, Marcus is Jesus. Kara is a sweetie. Uh, yeah. Connor is best boy. I don't really like Connor. Love that boy, best boy. Like, I, I like it, but I don't like it at the same time. I don't really like Marcus either. <laughs> I love what I'm talking you about. You only like Kara? I like Kara. Do you even like story. Alice? No. You only like Kara. Oh <laughs> Alice is my. kind of annoying. Only oh just because, like, just the complaining and stuff like that. Mm. But, 
which I mean, well, Alice only complains kid. when you do something like horrible, like stealing <laughs> tickets from a family That's with a newborn baby. That's the only way you can escape. Or um, she has to think about her own safety, girl. You gotta get to the side too. Whenever you do something like Loki shitty, yeah, she's like, Ugh. she's like, that wasn't right. And but she, like, you can Ugh. never make her hate her. Kind of like how North is a forced romance, and you can never make her hate. Yeah, you. North and Marcus, it's basically a forced romance. It's a forced it's... romance between. A okay, and yeah. Android. So problems with this game. <laughs> I have some issues where there's a forced romance between Marcus and North, and I'm like, I don't really care for that. Like, it's it's not forced, but it's highly suggested. <laughs> like, it's almost like you have to do it. Um, yeah. Then there's also what was it about Connor's storyline? We talked about this. Oh god. Something that's forced? Oh, yeah, it, you're kind of like led to be a deviant, which I mean oh, is the good yeah, is ending. A, like you don't want to not be a deviant as Connor, but it's like hinted at that that's Sorry. the good way to go throughout the whole game, which I guess it is. But um there's a um part of Connor's uh play playstyle where it's um software instability. And when it goes up, you get, like, a, a nice, like, good blue arrow. Chunk. But when it goes down, it's a red, like, it looks bad. And you're like, oh, oh gosh, what am I doing? Yeah, so it's kind so of believing you to believe that. The software instability stable. is, like, your deviancy level, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes you think, oh, I'm doing something good when my software instability is going up. And so it kind of, like, tells you just to go deviant. But that's not what Connor is played as for the majority of the game. Yeah, because, like, it kind of just, like, forces you to be deviant because you want to be nice, and you want... And all the, like, the nice, good choices are deviancy. Mm-hmm. When, if you really want to play Machine Connor, it's like you're an asshole the whole yeah. time. And Hank, your partner, he... He comes to stop be- you. Yeah, he comes to stop you. Start being, like, mentally... Well, if you're if you're a deviant, mm-hmm. he comes and helps you. But, like, if you play Machine Connor, it's like you basically, like, fuck him up in the head because you're constantly either dying or you're... Messing yeah. up, which this character can also kill himself, like, halfway through if you keep dying and you're Yeah, you can actually dead. cause your partner, Hank, who suffers himself. from, like, depression and um, this sort of, like, yeah. uh, over the loss of his son alcoholism. and alcoholism and stuff, he, um, you can actually cause him to, kill to take his own life. Which is probably not good. It's not good. I'm probably gonna do that in my next playthrough. Oh my god. Because I am very... Or he can shoot you, too. There's a part in the bridge where if you piss him off enough... Right, and then you just sh- come back. You just come back, and he'll shoot you. Because he's asking you, do you do you even care that this gun's in your face? Mm. Do you, what do you feel? Yeah. So it's basically the game is, like, taking taking your actions accountable, to be honest. <laughs> like, from end game, from beginning game to end game, you could fuck something up. Yeah, there's a lot. There's one, like, you can get to the end of the game and then make one bad decision and, like, kill Alice or something. Yeah, with the boat. With the boat. Yeah, you just, like, just don't, like, go towards Alice and then everyone dies and it's really sad. Mm-hmm. But, game's emotional. I really appreciate it. It's probably the best David Cage game out there. It's definitely the best David Cage but, game yeah. out there. If you're like me and you didn't really appreciate Beyond Two Souls. I did when it came out and then I kind of don't like it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then Heavy Rain was just cool for when it came out, but now it's just, like, actually trash. Heavy Rain. But we could talk about Detroit for hours, but... So those are some of our opinions. Yeah. And the symbolism behind the game and where it was written from. So that's a wrap, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, we might do another Detroit episode some other time about... Maybe sometime in the future. Yeah, we could talk about characters or something like yeah. that or another point, but... Yeah, so, um, androids probably are alive. Um, we'll see them in 20 years. I can't wait to spend the <laughs> brain on my first one. 
Yeah, they're expensive too. That's not expensive at all. You're saying you're just gonna drop? Yeah. Like, six grand on an Android? Yeah, six grand. A car is forty five thousand dollars. An Android that can clean my house, do my job, and do everything for me, and raise my children? Eight grand? Hell yeah. Oh well, that's also twenty years from now. So if we have to adjust for inflation, that's like pocket change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like a paycheck. So yeah, we'll um we'll do another episode on androids in twenty years when they're here. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah.